Acts chapter 13. I want you to think about something with me this evening. Discouragement. Discouragement. Discouragement is not an easy thing to overcome, is it? Anybody ever been discouraged before? Sometimes it's not easy to get over. Sometimes it's not easy to uh, get yourself above. But discouragement is an easy thing to get into. Very easy. Um, I find that usually Monday mornings I'm pretty discouraged just with life in general. By Tuesday morning I'm up and ready to go. Uh, It's just the nature of the beast, I guess. But it comes uh, pretty easily. Um, But discouragement comes from all kinds of different sources. It, um, it comes from total strangers sometimes, people that we don't even know. We get phone calls all the time from uh, John and Roman's distribution of people calling in and saying, we hate what you're doing, we don't want you to do it, stop doing what you're doing. And uh, that can be easily discouraging um, when that stuff comes in. I think discouragement can not only come from total strangers, but it can come from other churches or even other Christians sometimes. I think uh, people that have a different philosophy of how ministry should be done or a different doctrine even or different opinions, yeah, different opinions can be discouraging. If you have an opinion as to what color the pews should be and you want to fight that out and somebody makes the decision on what the color of the pews could be and you come and give your opinion, sometimes that can be discouraging. discouraging. Discouragement comes from the world sometimes. You look at the world and you just go, ugh, man, our world, you know, we often say is going to hell in a handbasket very quickly. And we can just get discouraged from that. But you know, discouragement can come within us as well, from within us. We can be hard on ourselves. We can think that we can't measure up. And sometimes we believe the lies of the devil pretty, again, pretty easily. Sometimes we'll sin and Satan will come and say, you're not even worthy to be called a child of God. We forget that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have that option. But yet so often we believe the lies of the devil. Discouragement, excuse me, can come from anywhere. But I want you to understand this as well. There are also things that can be encouraging if we will just look for it. If we'll just look for it. So, so often we don't look for those things. So often we focus on the bad things. We focus on uh, the, the frustration of what's going on. And for, in my job, you know what's really easy? To look at all the people who aren't here. Really easy. But you know what's also exciting if in, in the encouragement is to look at really all the people who are here. Well, I said to the guys the other day uh, on the bus, I said, listen guys, I am absolutely just thankful for you. There could have been, I mean, you look across the room tonight, there could have been a whole lot of other guys there. I said, I'm thankful for you guys and your faithfulness to continue to come to this and, and that you have a great spirit and for the, the uh, opinions and, and discussions that we've had. I'm so thankful for that. It's so easy to be discouraged, but yet encouragement can also come. I want you to write this down. Encouragement can come from the most minuscule detail. Think about that. Encouragement can come from the most minuscule detail. It just depends on how much you focus on that minuscule detail. Listen, when there's a chance, it might be one in 10 billion of a chance, but there's still a chance. 
It might be minuscule, but there's still a chance. And we just happen to serve a God that works in those type of odds. God works in places and things that we could never even imagine. Encouragement comes often from the most minuscule detail. The vision statement of Bible Baptist Church is to seek Christ and share hope. Seek Christ and share hope. And I hope everything that we do falls under one of those two umbrellas. To seek Christ and to share hope. Sometimes we get discouraged about sharing hope, don't we? We think, oh yes, we need to share hope. We, it's somewhat easy to seek Christ because we can do that on our own. We can do that in our own home. We can do that every single day and in a way that's sometimes easier. But sharing hope is getting outside of our comfort zone. Sharing hope is doing something that we don't necessarily want to do. Sometimes we can think things like this. I have tried and nobody listens. I've tried to share hope, but nobody listens. It's not acceptable in our society to talk about Christ. You realize that it's not socially acceptable anymore. And so we get discouraged by that. We can talk about that. And before long, you know what happens? We are not sharing hope at all. We stop because maybe somebody said something to us or somebody got upset at us for doing so and we quit sharing hope at all. And you know, we actually get discouraged about that. Do you know that when I don't share Jesus Christ, I get discouraged about that? You know why? Because I know it's the right thing to do. I absolutely know I need to talk about Christ and I need to share the hope that is within me to every man. I have that responsibility. I want to do that. I'm seeking Christ. And when I'm seeking Christ and in love with Christ, I can't help but talk about it. But there are times when I squelch that and I push that down and I get discouraged about not doing that. And then I think I just can't do it. And there's this internal battle that goes on. But I want to take a look at what Paul and Barnabas do. Paul and Barnabas, now I'm not trying to say any of us are like Paul and Barnabas, but Paul and Barnabas were just normal people. Normal, everyday men. In fact, Paul was a hardened man. Absolutely destitute from God. Let's take a look at them. Acts chapter 13, verse 42. Acts chapter 13 and verse 42. The Bible says this, and when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now, when the congregation was broken up and many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came, almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should, have first, should first have been spoken to you. But seeing ye put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. 
For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy. Isn't that interesting? For all that, they're filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. I want to preach to you a message very simply entitled, Moving On. Moving on. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity of being here tonight. And I pray that you give us what you want from your word tonight. And I pray that people would not hear my voice, but they would hear you tonight. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Moving on. I want to give you three points of encouragement from this passage. Three points of encouragement. The first point of encouragement is very simply this. There is a message to bring. There is a message to bring. If you'll go back and look at verse 16 to verse 41, what you'll notice is that Paul preaches the gospel in the synagogue. They go to the synagogue and they're sitting there. The scripture is read and the chief priest or whoever's reading the scripture looks at Paul and Barnabas and says, hey, you guys have anything to say? And Paul stands up and says, oh, I got lots to say. Gets up and starts preaching and teaching and tells them about Jesus Christ and who he is and the Jews and how they crucified Jesus Christ and all of these different things. Begins to give the gospel to them. Can I encourage you with something? We have a message. We have a message. We have hope. We have something of eternal value. We have the good news of Jesus Christ. We, we have this treasure, the Bible says, in earthen vessels. We have a treasure. You know there's a bunch of people out there in the world that don't have that? We have something to actually give. We have the good news of Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles, go to me, with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11. The Bible says this, Wherefore remember, go back, that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision, in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, but now in Christ Jesus, you, ye, who were sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You see, we used to be without hope. We used to not have any hope. We used to not have any message. But now we are made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. We can have a relationship, a close-knit relationship with Jesus Christ because of what Christ did. We have a hope. We have something that we can talk about. Can you imagine how discouraging it would be not to have any hope? 
There are things that I look forward to, I have to look forward to. There are things in my life that I put into place so that I can look forward to them. Next week, not this week, but next week I get to go hunting. I am so pumped about that. I am so looking forward to that. Listen, if you told me I could never go hunting again, I would absolutely be discouraged. We were driving all, all for 10 hours we drove down to Ohio. In every moment I could, I was looking at the fields, for they were white. No, that's the wrong one. Um, I was looking at the fields, looking for deer. Like, man, I just want to be out there. It's the perfect time of year. The smell is in the air. I'm just excited about that. We, listen, we have a hope of eternal life. We get to go to heaven someday. We get to see Christ. Not only that, here on this earth, we get to have a relationship with him. We get to walk with him. We get to talk with him. We have a hope. Can you imagine how discouraging it would be to have no hope? To have no purpose in this life. Why am I here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Well, I just evolved, so what's the point? You see, discouragement would overwhelm me if I did not know my purpose. I can't stand doing something just for the sake of doing it. I want to have a purpose in it. I want to have something to do with a purpose. You know what? We know our purpose. At least I hope you do. I know, hope you know your purpose. Your purpose is to glorify God. We, we have the saving blood of Jesus Christ. We have the greatest news in all the world inside of us that's encouraging to me unless you don't believe that i believe there are some that don't believe that we have the greatest news in all the world there are some that don't believe as christians they don't believe that they have the greatest news in all the world oh they believe jesus christ and what he did for them but they don't believe that that is the greatest news you would say, well, why? Why would there ever be anybody that would think that? Perhaps it's because of who they've been listening to. I want you to think about this with me. Having a child is one of the, some of the greatest news you could ever get. When our kids were born, I text hundreds of people. We just had a baby girl we just had a baby boy. We just had a baby girl. All these different things. Like, this is amazing. It was so cool. It's one of some of the greatest news I could ever share with anybody. But let me give you just a thought process here. What if all I listened to were the people that said, you don't want to have a kid. They're going to mess up your house. They're going to mess up your marriage. Your wife, her hormones are going to be way out of whack because of this. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> what if all you listen to are those people? Man, kids, they just make messes in their snotty-nosed brats, and they're going to become teenagers someday, and all you listen to are those people. By the way, there are those people out there. And I remember them saying that to me. What if all I listen to is that? How excited do you think I'm going to be when that baby comes? Do you think I'm going to text all those people and say, guess what, we just had a baby? Probably not, right? No. But you see, those would be, if I listened to those, that crowd, 
I would be letting, I would probably not letting, be letting those people know about our new bundle of sorrow because that's the way we would view it. But in fact, we have three bundles of joy that we're excited about. We're excited about having them because we didn't listen to those people. We listened to our parents and some of you folks who say we just love our kids and we enjoy them. And kids are the greatest things you could ever have. And kids will just, you, you can never love somebody more than you love your kids. Those are the people we listen to. And listen, you can, you can take time and you can listen to the people of the world and you can hear them all day long. And you can hear them saying, we don't want that. You should, what are you going to that crazy church for? What are you listening to that crazy doctrine for? You just need Jesus as a crutch, and you can listen to that all day long. But you know what? There's another source that will tell you that the good news is the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. How much are you in this book? Because if you're not, then you do not think that you have the greatest message in the world to bring. The greatest job that I can ever do is be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm excited to do it. And I get to spend time in this book every single day, hours in this book a day. I love it. The more time you spend in this book, the more you listen to it, the more you take heed from it, the more you understand what a wonderful message you have. It's an encouraging, encouraging thing to have a message. Number two, I want you to understand this. The next encouraging thing is there is a world that opposes us. Wait a minute. I thought you said this was encouraging, not discouraging. I want, I want to take this and come at it from a different angle. I want to encourage you with a world that imposes us. Let's look at verse uh, 45. Verse 45, the Bible says this. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Jump down to verse 50. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coasts. I want to encourage you with the fact that there is a world that opposes us. How in the world is this encouraging? Well, the Bible tells us that they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now again, our purpose. What's our purpose on this earth? To glorify God. And so if I'm glorifying God, I'm fulfilling my purpose, then there will be people that oppose us. Listen, if there are people that are opposing you to Jesus Christ, that means you are living godly. I can get excited about that. I remember I told somebody this one time. Our family was going through a rough time. Just a few different things. and Actually, our church, a few different things in our church were going on. And I just, I honestly said, I laughed. I just laughed. This is hilarious. Why? Because when you're doing something right, Satan opposes it. And so when things are going wrong, you've got to be doing something right. And so you look at your life. I, now, I understand that you can do things wrong and things can go bad. But if you're staying close to Jesus Christ and you're working hard at that and you're walking with him and you're fulfilling your purpose in life, there is going to be somebody who opposes you. Why don't you take it to John chapter 15. 
John chapter 15, verse 18. John chapter 15 and verse 18. The Bible says, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Notice this. Watch, watch verse 19. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But, but because ye are not of the world... But I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, verse 20. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Here's another thing that I want you to get. If somebody does you wrong and they oppose you, understand this. Don't take it personally. Because they're doing it as unto the Lord. They're doing it because of Christ. They're not doing it because of you. So there's a world that opposes us. The purpose of our life is to glorify God. And if we fulfill that, we will offend Satan very quickly. The purpose of our life is to glorify God. And if we fulfill that, we will offend Satan. Satan hates what we are doing. Satan wants to stop God's people. He wants to keep them from continuing for God. If Satan is not opposing us, then we must not be fulfilling our purpose. If Satan is not opposing us, then we must not be fulfilling our purpose. Satan's followers hate the message of God. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to understand it. They have no problem blaspheming and contradicting it. They have no problem making fun. They have no problem trying to thwart our mission. I want you to take a look back there in Acts chapter 13. And look at verse 45 again. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul. Watch this. Contradicting and blaspheming. The Jews are blaspheming. Do you know what blaspheming is? Jesus got in trouble for blaspheming. You know why? Because he said he was God. Do you know who he got in trouble by? The Jews. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting how they can just bend the rules to do whatever they want to do? The Jews, God's chosen people, get Jesus in trouble for blaspheming, for saying he's God. And look what they're doing. They're blaspheming. They're, probably, they're, saying, they're contradicting everything he's saying. They're probably saying things like, listen, don't listen to Paul. We're the chosen ones. We are putting ourselves up on a pedestal. We are better than him. They're contradicting everything he's saying. At the end of the chapter, we see there was joy with the disciples because of this. There was joy because of what was going on. Why in the world, why in the world do Satan and Satan's followers try to oppose us? Why? Let me show you why. This is so exciting. I love this. Look at verse 45 again. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with what? 
of us. This is the same reason Satan got kicked out of heaven. Do you realize that? He was envious of God. He wanted God's position. He wanted God's power. He wanted everything that God had. Didn't get it. He was envious. You get that? Dude, this is just a side note. Do you find it interesting that we're envious of the world? We want what they have. We want their stuff. We want their quote-unquote happiness. And the actual Satan followers are actually envious of us. They hate us. They don't want to do anything. They're filled with envy. It's, it's so ironic. And yet we look to them and say, I want what they have. You see, the world opposes us because they're envious of us. You say, Pastor Yeomans, they don't even know. That might be true. We're going to cover that in just a minute. But they genuinely want what we have. A good, godly, spirit-filled Christian has joy unspeakable and full of glory. And, there's, and, and has a peace that passes all understanding. And has long-suffering and temperance and all of the fruits of the Spirit. And there's not a law written that could ever contradict one of those things. And there's a people that's hungering and thirsting for that. They're jealous of us. The world opposes us, but we can still glorify God. I want to show you the third thing that's encouraging. There are those that want to hear. There are those that actually want to hear. You know, there's, there's people that actually follow Satan. There's people that actually want, are fulfilling Satan's will constantly, but there are those that want to hear. Let's look at verse 42 again, please. Peter, or excuse me, Paul preaches this entire message. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the what? Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. So it's like some people sticking around here and saying, Pastor Yeomans, that was a great message. Can you come preach that next week? I'm going to bring everybody I can. Come preach that next week. The Gentiles are excited about it. There's somebody that wants to hear. Jump down to verse uh, 47. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for the salvation unto the ends of the earth. Look at verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were not envious, but glad. Woohoo! We're going to get this now. We get this type of word every week. That God, God is going to send these men to us and glorify the word of God. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. It may take some work to try to find them. But there are people out there that want to hear. They want to hear about Christ. There are people that need to hear about Christ there are people that are looking for our message. Do you realize that? I see some doubtful looks. Come on, Pastor Yeomans. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Then why don't they just come ask for it? Why aren't they coming to us? I mean, why, isn't the, why aren't people like the Philippian jailer saying, what must I do to be saved all the time? Why aren't we getting it? Notice with me the passage. Notice with me when the Gentiles come to him. Verse 42 again. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, 
Interesting. Notice this is after Paul preached. The Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Do you understand what happened? Paul gives the message of Jesus Christ. Satan's followers, so to speak. I, I can't even believe that the Jews were doing that. The Jews exit, and there they are. Hey, we need some more. Listen, those people might not come up to you in a public place. Those people might not uh, be excited when all their friends are around. But there are people that want to hear what you have to say. They just don't know it yet because we haven't given them the message yet. Paul gave the message already, and then they came to him. I'll give you just a quick example. We have a neighbor, and um, his wife um, became sick. And so we were get, getting ready to try to go over there. That, uh, we rarely saw her in the three years that we had lived there at that point. She was always inside, even when she was healthy. But we would see our neighbor all the time, and we'd say hello, and we'd go over and talk to him. And this neighbor in particular was one that said, listen, you can have your religion, just don't push it on me. Okay, we won't. But any time we got the chance, we would talk about Christ, and he knew we'd go to church, and we'd try and get over there and all these different things. Well, through the process of events, his wife passes away. We went over and, you know, gave our condolences and all of those things, and he he told, he's an Englishman, he told us the, the wake is going to happen on such and such a day and it's going to be at the house. Obviously not that far away from our house, so we walked down there. and The day happened and we walked down there and the, the um, wake was to happen at 10 o'clock, I believe. So I walked over there about 10 minutes till. As soon as I got over there, my neighbor comes to me and says, hey, you're a, you're a preacher. Would you say a few words? And I went, okay, how long do you want me to be? He said, short is good. <laughs> okay. So we sit down and we're, you know, talking to some of our other neighbors and spend a little bit of time. And I'm nervous as all get out because I want to, I want to please God. I want to give his word. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, I'm going, this guy has said, don't push religion. So anyway, through the process of events, I still did not know from the time when he said, all right, it's time, I want you to give something. I still didn't know what I was going to say. Time came and I just started talking. I talked about the love of Jesus Christ and him dying on the cross for his sins. And it's so interesting to me that afterwards I had people coming to me saying a bunch of different things. Hey, we know Christ or what, can we get some more information about that? Or where do you go to church? Or, hey, that was a good thought. All kinds of different things. Had I never said anything, many of those people probably wouldn't have talked to me. Now, that's an opportunity the Lord gave me, and I did not want to let it go to waste. But there are people who want to hear. I wish I could stand up here and tell you 15 people got saved that day. I can't tell you that. But I now have an opportunity to continue those conversations. I'm so excited about that. There are people who want to hear, but they just don't know it yet. Notice the passage. They asked him for more after they heard. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'll be finished here shortly. 2 Corinthians chapter 4.
Verse 3. The Bible says this, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. You know, the people who need it most, if we hide it, it's hid to them. Verse 4 says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Watch, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Do you know that Satan is blind, actively blinding people's minds? Actively. And then all of a sudden, the light, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, when they see that light or when they hear that light, they go, oh, I never heard that before. And the scales fall off. And they go, oh, I need to know more about that. And they take a step closer to the light. But the problem is they don't even know that they're blind. And so often we have such a message we shy away from that. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. But if our gospel be hit, it's hid to them that are lost. You see, discouragement is so easy to find. <laughs> we can talk to people about Christ and they can shut us down and we can be discouraged. But encouragement can be found in the most minuscule detail. Luke chapter 15 and verse 10, the Bible says, Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. You see, encouragement can be found in the most minuscule detail. One out of seven billion. One. Those are pretty crazy odds. But there's joy. When will you start, excuse me, when will you start looking for that one? Let me ask this question. When will you stop looking for that one? That person's out there. Don't be discouraged about sharing Christ. Don't be discouraged. We should be encouraged. We have a wonderful message that someone wants to hear. There will be opposition. But it's because they want what we have. And aren't humble enough to be able to take it. There are people that want to hear. Let's pray.